Welcome to The Worst Writer in the World with me, Rufus, and my cheerful, optimistic, emotionally generous companion, Ebenezer Scrooge! <laughs> no, 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 it's Howard Long. Howard Long! Ooh, and it's a spooky one this week. Ooh, no, it's so spooky, no, it's not. It's full not. of ghost cats. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what is spooky. Oh, yeah. What we're doing this week is a brand new type of episode. <gasps> the kind of thing that we've never done on this show before. Oh, so this is the kind of episode where we do something a bit different and everyone writes in and complains and says, go back <laughs> to the way you did things. No, because when I say different, it is still going to be me telling you a story. Hooray! Right, so in many ways, it's going to be exactly the same. OK, you had me worried then. I thought we were going to start discussing a true crime. <laughs> Well, some people might call this movie a true crime. <laughs> but no, we're going to do the other very popular podcast thing. We're not going to talk about true crime. We're going to talk about a movie, Ooh. all right? But hey, we're not a review show. We're a storytelling show. So what we're going to do is I have watched a movie and I am going to retell that story to you with my own interpretation. And we're going to use that to learn more about storytelling and how we can become better and not the worst writers in the world forever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> We're going to dig our way out of that snowy hole. Mm. Now, if you're in The Secret Gang, you will have heard this episode before because we trialled this because um, it's a new idea. We wanted to try it out first, mm -hmm. see how it went down. So we trialled this episode with The Secret Gang and got their feedback and they told us what they thought of it and we made changes accordingly. We didn't make any changes because they liked it. <laughs> and hey, if you were in The Secret Gang, listener, then you too could be part of future experiments that we do when we've got some plans right we've got some writing challenge plans mm. like we, we already did ginger beasting too Ooh. and you could hear those uh, get, and be a part of shaping the future of the show as well that's right and if you join now you can hear the sequel to lee brumby's joke <laughs> wow i haven't heard that <laughs> all right let's get on with it shall we but before we start let's quickly say thank you to the british comedy guide for hosting this show thanks to our lovely patrons on patreon for patronising this show and thanks to you for listening to this show. So one last no, one last thing to say before we get started is that this episode will not only spoiler the movie Snowpiercer, but it will do it in great detail <laughs> and there will be nothing, literally nothing left unspoiled. If you haven't seen the movie and don't want to be spoiled, then just don't listen to this episode. If you have and either liked or disliked it, hopefully this episode will be enjoyable for you. Mm. And if you haven't and never planned to, then just see it as us telling you a story. Because like I said, we go into great detail, so you don't really need to have seen it. It probably is better if you have. It's probably more enjoyable if you have. But, you know, it's your choice, your life, isn't it? Don't let me tell you what to do. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like homework, forcing people to watch Snowpiercer, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so everybody watch Snowpiercer eight times for homework <laughs> and uh, write a 500-word report. Mm. All right, let's get started, shall we? Yes! That's my new catchphrase. <laughs> That's a winner. I reckon everyone, <laughs> by tomorrow, everyone's going to be saying that. Yeah. <laughs> So, Howard. Hello! Today we're going to talk about a movie that we watched, Ooh. right? A modern classic. Really? Called Snowpiercer. No. <laughs> um, no. Which has some very mixed feelings about it. I was reading the reviews on IMDb. Oh, yeah. And they, they seem to be split between very high ratings of people saying it's it's a work of absolute genius mm. and very low ratings, mostly by people who I think take the film too literally because their main problem is not like... It's not that it's boring or anything yeah. like that. It's that this there are lots of plot holes. This doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense. And they're, they're really over-literal about how they understand the film. So I feel that both of those sets of people are wrong. Yes, they are. Because the people <laughs> right. the people that are giving it low reviews are giving it low reviews because they, they think it should be good. They think a train going yeah. around the world forever with people eating babies <laughs> on it should be a good idea. But it isn't. It's a terrible idea. They're wrong. I don't know. I kind of agree. Because when you say it like that... <laughs> A train going round and round the world with people eating babies on it does sound like a pretty good film. OK, it sounds better when I, I pitch it. Fair enough. <laughs> well, let's see if we can make it sound better by discussing uh, 
for people who haven't seen it or for people who have but just didn't understand it. Mm. <laughs> right. Let's discuss the plot. I've made some notes okay. on the plot. Um, I watched the movie again. That's me a third time. Ouch. That's, uh, well done, you. Thank you. Because Thank I, you. I, I didn't watch it again. And uh, the last <laughs> time I tried to watch it, I couldn't even get past five minutes. Well, my experience with it is the first time I watched it, I watched it because it looked interesting and or because it was sci-fi or whatever, and I watch sci-fi films. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I think I did find it a bit boring, but I was confused because afterwards... I remembered it being good <laughs> after the first time because it's so because we talked about it and it's funny mm-hmm. and like it's it just sounds when you talk about it it sounds like a good film and then like sometime later I watched it again and was surprised how boring it was mm. because at least I thought it would be entertainingly stupid you know yes uh, at the very least but it was I thought oh, it was kind of boring this time was my third time and I actually enjoyed it more wow because I think I was making notes of things we should talk about. So it's like it had, I had a, a purpose for watching it, so I didn't need to be fully occupied by the movie because I was also doing something else, mm-hmm. But which was about... It wasn't like playing games or something. I was involved with the movie, but with a different purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I did enjoy it more on this third occasion. Ha, 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 you're a loser. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> I have never denied it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have organised my notes by carriage. All right. Wow. So I made a list, a list of the carriages they go through, and this is every carriage they go through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and for That's some good of them, you've done that because, like, in my mind, I've created some that were never there. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to tell me what you think they're going to be? The ones that you're not sure are there, um, like the bingo carriage. <laughs> In my memory, I mean, I don't know. I don't a know if there's a director's carriage, cut, right? <laughs> a director's cut in which Bong Joon Ho is like, you know, there really needs to be some more bingo in this. Yeah, film. well, his name and is Bing, Harvey... his name is Bong Joon Ho, so it's practically <laughs> bingo, right? <laughs> you know, the producer of this film was Harvey Weinstein, right? Oh, really? So, and apparently there was a lot of kind of disagreement between the director and the producer, and the like. Harvey Weinstein wanted basically. It sounds like wanted it to be stupider, and uh, Bong Joon Ho like fought for certain things. And apparently, w- one of the things I read about yeah. was that there's a uh, he, he called it the fish scene, and there's two fish scenes. I think he means the sushi scene. That Harvey Weinstein was like, get rid of that and replace it with more action. Mm-hmm. And Bong Joon Ho was like, no, oh, oh, that that scene really means a lot to me because my father was a fisherman. Right. And Harvey Weinstein's all like, oh, you gotta respect your father because that's a man and I respect men. Okay. Right. And then Bong Joon Ho later in an interview was like, no, I made that up. That's bollocks. My yeah. father wasn't a fisherman. <laughs> I lied to him. So apparently there was some disagreement there, but it sounds like. Um, I'm going to call him Jun Ho because that... I don't know if you know about Korean names. They place them backwards. Jun Ho is the first name and Bong is the surname. I'm going to call him Bong. Okay. Is that his name? <laughs> that's his surname. Okay. Mr. Bong. Mr. Bong. Yeah, yeah you can go. That's that's a nice one. That's fine. That's what if. Uh, so anyway, he... Um, sounds like he won against Harvey Weinstein, which has got to be a good thing. Yeah, but by lying. <laughs> so he, 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 fought, he fought fire with fire. Yeah. Who's the worst person in yeah. this situation? Okay. Well, I mean, we don't know. I mean, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to cast any aspersions about Mr Bong and about what he gets up to with his cast, because we don't know yet. So, And I don't want a lawsuit, but, you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's terrible. Well... He's a male filmmaker, and it does seem like 100% of them Mm. (laughs) are terrible people. If you wait long enough, they literally all reveal themselves to be awful people, right? You can look for the clues. Like, clearly he eats babies. (laughs) Where else did he get that idea from? (laughs) No, that's fair, yeah. Mm. Uh, Clearly he likes really long trains. (laughs) Where, Where else did he get that idea from? So, carriage number one, as I'm sure we all know, Mm. is the tail. And in the tail, you've got lots of poor people eating jelly. Yes. Yes, very special jelly, but we don't know how special yet, do we? No. As far as we know, it's just some lovely black jelly. Yeah, like like blackcurrant, probably, you'd, you'd be thinking. And it makes sense, because Bill, Billy, Elliot, Billy Elliot's there, and, like, you know, he's a kid, right? So he probably likes jelly. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. Is one of the actors who 
the person who played Billy Elliot, and I don't know this. Yeah, yeah, Jamie Bell is Billy Elliot. When it comes to actor information, that's definitely your wheelhouse and not mine. I don't tend to know things about actors. It's Billy Elliot and Captain America, right? That's that's who we've got there. Is that true? Yeah. So Billy Elliot is um, Edgar, is he? The um, Irish friend. Uh, yes, yes. Is he doing an Irish accent? Yeah, be him, yeah. All right, so... So, he's, so it's his birthday. He's Billy Elliot. He's 13, and uh, <laughs> his mum says, do you want some jelly and custard? And he's like, oh, yes, oh, yes, Pete, I'd like to very much. <laughs> and Captain America's there going like, uh, would, you like there, would, yeah. would you like a slice of baby with your with your jelly? <laughs> He's like, nah, probably probably not this time. Well, I've got some because I because this time I watched it perhaps a bit closer with mm. a bit more attention than I usually give to movies. Yeah. I've got a bit of um information that I certainly missed on the first two times I watched this. Not because it's super difficult to pick up on, just because I don't tend to pay attention to things. Yeah. But um, something Curtis... uh, Sorry, uh, something Captain America says at the beginning about Edgar, um, Billy Elliot, is um, he shouldn't worship me the way he does. I'm not who he thinks I am. Right? So he's not Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) I think he is, because he's pretending not to be, right? He's like, my name's Curtis, but Mm. really I'm Captain America. Got to keep this this woolly hat on or he'll see the A on my forehead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Now, basically, what he's really saying is because right at the end of the movie, when mm-hmm. when Captain America does his big "I like eating baby" speech, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you remember that at the end. Right? I mean, no, but I believe you. <laughs> I mean that. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it in more detail when we get to it. But mm. for now, I'm going to call it Captain America's "I like eating baby" <laughs> speech. Okay. He also reveals. You know, you know, he talks about. Um, John Hurt cutting his own arm off and stuff to stop. Basically, John Hurt cuts his own arm off to right. stop Captain America eating a baby. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if John right. Hurt cuts his hand off, right, doesn't like David Tennant just grow a new one in a jar or something? <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that. <laughs> and that's that's what happened. That, but that's in the hand growing carriage that we get to later. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. In the Doctor Who carriage. Wait. So John. So the war jo- John Hurt, the war doctor, cut his hand off. Yeah. So what? So Captain America can eat Basically, it. Basically, Captain America and his like evil friends yeah. turn up and they're like, "We're gonna eat this baby, all yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. we're hungry and poor, and that's what hungry poor people do." And John Hurt says, "No, don't eat the baby. Here, gets a knife and hacks his own arm off. This wow. is told as a story by Captain America. You don't see this. Hmm. Um, hacks his own arm off and says, "Here you go, eat this instead." Hmm. Right. And when Captain America tells that story. He basically says, so we didn't eat the baby, Hmm. and that baby grew up to be Edgar. Oh, right. Yeah, his mate, he's like, oh, I almost ate you as a baby, but I feel bad about it now. (laughs) So so I'm looking after you for half of the train until you get murdered. Yeah, so when Captain America says, um, Edgar shouldn't worship me, I'm not the person that he thinks I am, he thinks I'm someone that didn't try and eat him as a baby, but (laughs) I am someone that did try and eat him as a baby. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. Right, Okay. That's not. That is not even a joke. That is is. That is in the text. That is absolutely what he means, yes. Mm. He's mistaken me as someone that didn't try (laughs) to put him on a plate. Right. Yeah, and roast him, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And sooner or later he might find out, because mm. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's bigger now. He's tastier now. <laughs> yeah, I've been fattening him up. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, John Hurt was like, look how big my arm is. You wait, wait, and he'll have arms that big and you yeah. can eat them. Mm. But it gets worse because um, Captain America also says that he didn't eat Edgar as a baby, but he did murder his mum. Oh, Edgar's mum. Yeah. Curtis America, as I'm, I might call him from mm. now on, because the character in the in Snow well, Prison's name is Curtis. Hold on a second. Why don't they just eat her then? <laughs> I think when, they might have murdered done. He doesn't go into mom, detail. Right? You go like, right, I'm going to eat her baby did. now, her living baby. And then John Hurt's going, <laughs> no, just cuts his arm off and says, eat my arm. He's like, no, just eat the dead mum. <laughs> they don't make it that clear, the sequence of events, but ah. I think we can extrapolate that it was like, I'm going to eat your baby. No, here, have my arm. OK, that wasn't enough. Murder the mum. She's bigger. Why didn't we spot that at the beginning? Oh, well, at least we've worked it out now. Anyway, this baby, I'm going to raise him. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he's an adult, I'm eating him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I'm going to feel super bad about it. When he's an adult, I'm going to put a wig on him and like act like I'm murdering his mum again because I enjoyed <laughs> it so much the first time round. I think we can all agree that, that Curtis America is the true villain of this piece. Yeah. I mean, he's the only one who says he ate babies. Yeah, and he's poor. <laughs> of of Don't all forget the that, people. he's poor, so he's obviously bad. <laughs> the 
The next thing that happens is a woman in a yellow coat comes to tape measure children. (laughs) And she starts measuring their arms and stuff. And we don't know why. So everyone's going, why is she measuring those children? I hope they're not going to be replacement train parts. (laughs) But, you know, we don't know. But she takes... She's about to take one of them when, unfortunately, Octavia Spencer's skirt sneezes. Ah. Hang on a minute. Skirts don't sneeze. I bet there's another child under there. And ah. then it's, it's, it's her son. And that she takes... So she takes the Octavia Spencer's son. Right. And also, the other kid turns out to be the kid of Spud from Trainspotting. Oh, right. Spud's there. <laughs> right? Spud from Trainspotting's there. And he's really upset, tries to rescue his kid by throwing his shoe at Yellow Coat Woman's head. Mm-hmm. But tragically, that doesn't work. <laughs> Wait, right. is Yellow Coat doesn't Woman, is that Tilda Swinton, is she in it that early No, on? no, no, she's a, she doesn't have much of a speaking part, Yellow Coat Woman. So, wait a second, she's wearing... <laughs> Hold on a second, give me one mm. second to make this amazing joke, it's going to be really good, you're really going to glad, be glad you waited for it. Okay, so basically what you're saying is that Ruth Maddock, in the role of Gladys Pugh from Heidi High comes in. <laughs> Oh, God. Right? Oh, God, that wasn't worth the yeah. wait. <laughs> All right, just in case anyone doesn't remember the fucking sitcom from the early 80s or wherever it was, Heidi High was a holiday camp where they had yellow coats instead of red coats like Butlins does. Want to be a yellow coat. <laughs> yeah. Is that your whole joke or is there more? No, that's my whole joke. Oh, that's um, your whole joke, OK. <laughs> well, I thought, I'd refer- I thought I'd reference something people have actually heard of because, you know, Heidi High is quite a famous show where a Snowpiercer is stupid and rubbish and nobody's seen it. Mm, I... Th- I- I suspect the opposite is true. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not both stupid and rubbish, but I suspect the other, the opposite might be true. Yeah. Anyway, so here's the thing, right? So basically, Spud from Trainspotting tried to save his son by throwing his shoe. Mm. And it turns out the punishment for throwing your shoe mm. is having your arm removed. Right? Yeah, by cold air. By coldness, by yeah. By w- window, dis- window disease. Snowpiercer's <laughs> form of window disease, right? Mm-hmm. No, you're right. It is window disease. It is because in Rapunzel, leaving the window open, it's so cold. It turns out Rapunzel is set after the the, the end of the world in Snowpiercer. Yeah. There's basically two groups of people survived. All these people on this train yep. and the people in Mother Holler. And the squire, the squire is Ed, Ed Harris. And the reason he wants a, a, a child bride is, is to drive his train, right? <laughs> I mean, there are similarities, yeah. Mm. The, the main guy wants children for terrible reasons. Mm. <laughs> right? mm. It's amazing how similar this is to Rapunzel. Yeah, t- 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 Tilda Swinton would have made a great um, um, pickle witch, wouldn't she? I feel like she's hamming it about the same amount that I am in Rapunzel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Levels of ham quite quite similar. Mm. <laughs> All right, so, yes, as you say, they've got a special hole, arm-sized hole in the wall yeah. just in case they need to freeze anyone's arm off mm. and uh, using window disease, and they You know, when do. they came into that back carriage and started installing that hole, do you think people were going like, oh, no, oh, no, what are they doing that for? That, yeah, that seems... Yeah. Especially since apparently those, those tail people weren't meant to be there, so this yeah. is for economy or first-class people. Why do you need a hole? <laughs> Why have you written armhole above it? <laughs> Why have you written danger of window disease? <laughs> do not stick arm out or you might get window disease in it. So presumably at this point, um, Captain America's going like, well, oh, what a waste of an arm. I could have eaten that. <laughs> right? Yeah, mm. but they don't include that for some reason. But I think we can assume he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it's just a movie about people's arms getting removed so far. A lot of them are very upset. And I assumed, when I was watching it, I just assumed that it was because Spud is their friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's I not. think yours is a more accurate read. They're just, They're just going, some... oh, we could have eaten that. It's like when you're on a road trip and you get your crisps accidentally go out the window. Everyone's like, no! <laughs> Why do you think that is a universal experience <laughs> that we can all relate to? You know, it's like, it's like when you're on a road trip and your crisps go out of the window. Well, everyone would understand that, even if it's not happened to them. Yeah, I guess so. More, I guess more so. than understanding Spud's arm getting frozen off in a future dystopia <laughs> by Ruth Maddock from Heidi High. It's like when you're a kid and you've got an ice cream and the ice cream falls on the floor, and you're left with just a cone, and that's the rubbish bit. Yeah. And they're going, oh, we, we only wanted to eat his arm. We didn't want the rest <laughs> <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. 
So only arms are tasty in this this world. I guess so. I mean, they 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 well, arms and babies because the only things well, they talk the about eating. Has, the baby has arms. <laughs> Maybe that's the delicacy. But uh, well, I, in, I think in Snowpiercer world, a baby is arms. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. Because they never talk about. <laughs> what are you talking about? They never talk about eating just a baby's arms. They talk about eating a baby. Mm-hmm. And if you're saying all they eat is arms, then a baby is arms. Okay. I'm just yes and in you. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well done. Thank you. It's like with chickens, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, chickens are arms as well. I agree. No, but when you know, someone goes like, "Do you want? Do you, do you want? Uh, do you want? Screw like, do you want leg, breast, that kind of thing?" Captain America specifically is an arm man. <laughs> that's what that's what he wants. So like when he was going to eat that baby, he was going to eat the baby's arms, and then his friends they were going to eat the rest of it, the breast and that. So I'm a I'm a head man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm the I'm the head man. I eat the head. My name's Ohio Grant. Yeah, yes. yeah. Ohio, I'm a skeleton man. <laughs> so the next thing, um, what what just happened is they stuffed Spud's arm out of the hole in the window. Um, the, the train, the, uh, the train. to give it window disease. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point when it becomes really clear that this character is actually Spud from Trainspotting, <laughs> right? And it's not a joke because the way he reacts is 100% just Spud from Trainspotting. Yeah. So I think this is this is a sequel to Trainspotting. And finally, now I understand why Trainspotting was called Trainspotting. Yes, of course. <laughs> right? Because it was all building up to this they, and only Spud spotted that train and got on it. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they all did, but Captain America ate four of them. Yeah. And I suppose he's spotted the train with his blood because his arm just came off. Is that no? Because it's frozen. What? Well, what happens with his arm is when it's frozen, they bring him back in and smash it with Thor's hammer. (laughs) Yes, which is a bit surprising. Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of Snowpiercer, but it probably is a better sequel to Trainspotting than Trainspotting (laughs) Two. I feel like sequels more often should take surprising turns, you know, because too often sequels are just the same film again. Or yeah. and if they're not, people are disappointed because it's the same characters, but in such a kind of less interesting situation that it's just it's disappointing. But if you just went right, the first film was about some drug addicts in Edinburgh in the nineties, mm-hmm. and the second is an apocalyptic sci-fi movie set on a train. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. The second one's in space. No, fair enough. No, but no, no, always a train, though. <laughs> so the first Lord of the Rings movie is about a load of boring short people going for a long walk. Going for a walk up a hill. The second one, put them on a train. <laughs> if only we'd done this the first time. We could have saved a lot of time. Yeah. All that walking. All right, so at this point, the perhaps the best thing in the film happens, which is Tilda Swinton turns up Hooray! to show everyone how they should be acting. And I mean that in two <laughs> ways, right? Because that's literally what the character does. She comes to kind of lecture them on their behaviour. Yeah. But also, Tilda Swinton fucking nails it and just comes in and you're like, all these other people are so boring. Why aren't they doing what she's doing? Yeah. This is amazing. And she's playing a character from Hull for some reason. <laughs> like, I don't know why. But she's going, I think this character will be from Hull. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And like, but what, like the first time you watch it, it's such a surprise. I remember that. It's such a like serious and, mm. you know, miserable um, post apocalyptic sci fi movie. And then, and then a, a pantomime character comes in. Yes. So surprising and brilliant. I love it. Must be a trope because, like, in The Hunger Games, that's about a load of miserable, poor people, like, acting seriously. And then, oh, like, and Elizabeth... the city and then Elizabeth... Um... Banks, is it? Yeah, Elizabeth Banks? Banks turns up and does exactly the same yes. performance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 not, but not from Hull. <laughs> yeah, she does was... the American version yeah. of that performance. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that is that that was my favorite thing about that film as well. So I wasn't that I mean I don't dislike it it was fine but I wasn't particularly into Hunger Games. I mean you should watch yeah but I mean like you've got to watch the second one that's really good because it's set on this really long train. <laughs> What's wrong with the Hunger Games? It's not set on a train. Okay, Hunger Games two. Hunger piercer. Yeah. yeah. Food, food piercer. That's what it's called. Yeah. I like hunger piercer. Mm. I mean, you've got to keep some of your brand, right? When you, yeah. that's what it's got to be. You've got to keep some of your name. Like the second Star Wars is called Star Piercer. Yeah. And you've got to add piercer to it. Mm. You know, um, the 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 sequel to the the Sixth Sense is mm. called Ghost Piercer. Yeah. 
Right. And uh, <laughs> ghosts on a train. <laughs> and uh, the sequel to Goldeneye is called Pierce Piercer because it's got Pierce Brosnan in it. <laughs> Weak. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it nonetheless. Though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, I was gonna. I was just. I was saying. It makes more sense in The Hunger Games. It is kind of part of the story, right? Because she's meant to be completely out of place because yes. she's from whatever the main, the place where people are rich is called. So she's meant to seem a massive yes. contrast and, and out of touch and kind of insane to them because mm-hmm. because that's part of the story. In Snowpiercer, that's not true. There's no reason no. <laughs> for Tilda Swinton Swin- to be like this except that clearly she's a genius who makes amazing acting decisions that no one would expect. Mm. <laughs> you know? All right, so the next thing that happens is we see the poor people's revolutionary plan, which is this. They've collected loads of metal barrels mm-hmm. from around the, te- the, 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 the last carriage and they've connected them together to make their own little train, right? Oh. A little train inside the train. Because in this film, that is the solution to everything. Build a fucking train. <laughs> yeah. They literally do. They put all these barrels in a row mm. and make a little train out of it and then they shove what, it forwards. What, what for? To, to block the door. They need a train to block the door open so they can escape the, bas- the back carriage. The, the bastard right? back carriage, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. And just to make sure you know it's a train, as they push it forwards, they Captain all America's say choo, choo, choo. <laughs> <laughs> Those two things happen. Captain America's on the top at the front going, I'm the driver! <laughs> yeah. Fucking train yeah. driver! Right? And all the people at the back going, Yes, absolutely, that that happens. And so they use it to block the door and escape the first carriage and get into carriage number two. Their plan is to um, keep a door open. That's their plan. Yes, because they need to get to the second carriage. And now now we come to carriage number two, which is the prison carriage. Because their main plan, get to carriage number two and break Nam Goong out of his drawer because he is a door expert. Mm. And once they get a door expert, he can open all the other doors. Should have come to me. Should have come to me. I know all about doors. (laughs) You'd be standing there going, why is there only one door here? How am I supposed to choose? (laughs) No, but Nam Goong is the... Korean guy who only speaks Korean, mm-hmm. uh, who they basically get out of a drawer, mm. right? Because the prison is is a, is drawers. Yeah, I, hear, I thing, remember that. So what is he just like? Is he have, is he sleeping in there? Has he been cryogenically frozen? Well, is the drawer on the other side? Is on the outside of the train? So it's just frozen him. <laughs> yeah. Then they then they smash him with doors. Have yeah, yeah, yeah. like, hang on. Wait, this, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> How's he going to help us with doors now? Mm. <laughs> He's not. But we we can put we can now put him in our gin and tonic and have it nice and chilled. <laughs> Yeah, you think arm's good to eat. Wait till you get a cube of arm in your gin and tonic. Mm. <laughs> Some tasty gin with a hint of arm. Mm. <laughs> uh, now, yeah, that, that's the thing. I always kind of remembered it as being some kind of cryo-sleep kind of deal. But it's not. But He's I was just... watching it. There's nothing in there. It's literally just a drawer. And you can really see it when they get Yona, his daughter, out. That That is just a drawer. Yeah. They're just in drawers. Basically, what happens is they they get him out of the out of his drawer because he's a door expert. I don't think he's much of a door expert if he was stuck inside a drawer. <laughs> he could have fucking. If I was a door no, expert, no, I would have been straight out of there. He's not a drawer expert. He's a door expert, and that's 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 one that's one is phone it, email. Is way. it a drawer then? It's not like it doesn't have a door. On <laughs> yeah, it. no, they pull it out. There's no okay, door. So yeah, it's, that's it's literally his a drawer. Achilles' heel. <laughs> Draws. <laughs> that's why. That's why they had to put him in a drawer. <laughs> this guy's a door expert. Yeah. We can't put him in regular prison. Yeah, we were going to put him in this jail cell with like a yeah. super enforced bars and everything, but like he's a door expert, he'd easily get out. So we're just going to pop hey, him. We've got those drawers. We're not using. Just pop him in this envelope and he'll be fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he immediately calls them all racist. And as far as I can tell, oh. it's because 100% of the Koreans on this train are being kept in drawers. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which does seem a bit off. <laughs> you know. Then he gets his daughter out hmm. and... Um, and increases and the Korean two... population quite considerably. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> And these two, like, immediately start challenging Tilda Swinton for best performance in movie, I reckon. (laughs) All right. 
Right, so now they've got door expert, they don't need a smaller train to get through the larger train's doors. He can just do it by using wires. Mm. Okay. So they go into carriage number three, and carriage number three is just the window carriage. It's just there so they can look out of the window and see... Um, the uh, snowy there's been no outside apart from well, there is a there's that window that you put your arm through in the first carriage. Of yes, course. we've seen the outside, but only at night because we see the arm sticking out of the the train from outside. Mm-hmm. But this is the first kind of daylight look at the world, and certainly for the characters, it's the first time they see outside. So they're all pretty excited, and so they have a look. Mm. And then it turns out that Yona has the superpower of being able to see through doors. <laughs> so right. when they get to the next door, she's she's like, he's running. And uh, when they open the door, there's someone running towards them. Mm-hmm. And uh, carriage number four is jelly carriage. Really? Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. It's where they're making the jelly. Because mm. here is where they learn that they haven't been eating jelly. After all, it's a load of cockroaches or something. Yeah, I remember that the first time I watched it, kind of going like, yeah, but you were a baby. What, what did you get? <laughs> the first you time, care? you didn't know. How did you know? That's amazing. The f- he only admits that at the end of the movie. <laughs> but the first time you 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 knew that, you guessed that. That's, that's I mean, I've said it before, Howard. You got, you've got great, you know, understanding of film language and stuff. But to spot that... <laughs> this point in the film looking at looking at those bugs and going i bet captain america at a baby well you see there's something <laughs> there's something that like uh, i'm quite clued in there's something you don't notice in the first sequence as you can see captain america still got like a kind of like bit of baby hanging out his mouth <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't yeah. wiped his face while they're while they're freezing that uh, while they're freezing spuds on mm. Captain America's going around in the background having bites out of children. <laughs> <laughs> You're so focused on, on Spud's amazing hammy performance. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so that's basically what happens in carriage number four. And then carriage number five is the one we've all been waiting for. It's Balaclava Men carriage. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best carriage because they open the door and there's loads of men just kind of standing there in balaclavas which cover their eyes. Mm-hmm. Which is the weirdest thing. They like you can see their mouths but mm. not their eyes. It's a, it's 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 you know it's possible you get one person stupid enough that they put their balaclava on the wrong way round but to find a whole <laughs> carriage full of people who have not understood how balaclavas work that's what yeah. are the odds what are the odds? But then they've cut a mouth hole when they got hungry. Oh, they've got mouth holes? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. No, so they've just not put them on properly. That's supposed to be what your eye hole. You don't have mouth holes. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. All right, yeah, you think you're right. You've got a, a, a carriage full of people with very short heads. <laughs> right? Yeah. And when they put their balaclavas on, they're like, this is weird, but I guess that's what it's meant... <laughs> that's how it fits. I guess that's what it's meant to be. Yeah. I do like eating sandwiches. <laughs> no, I can't see, but I can at least I can eat a nice baby. <laughs> Here comes him now. Oh, no, it's Captain America. Mm. He's probably already had them all. <laughs> he had all the babies already. You, got, you had all our food. Right, we're going to murder you. Mm. Right, and that's that's their plan. They're going to murder them. But before they murder them, they get a fish out. What? <laughs> the balaclava men. The first that they open the door, and there's all these balaclava men yeah. looking, like they're, like, looking dangerous. But before they do anything, they get a big fish out. And they hold up the fish by its tail, mm. and they get basically they get their axes... And they get two of them get fish blood on their axes. Yeah, and I feel like this this movie is at this point assuming that I know a lot more about fish blood than I actually do. Mm. <laughs> right, like whether that's meant to be symbolic or if it's poisonous fish mm-hmm. blood. Are we not sure at this point that that because they can't see anything, they're not aware that Captain America's <laughs> come in? They've got their mouths ready. They're going to eat some yeah. fish. They're going to have just some sushi. Fish. Yeah. Maybe. It's filmed like it's a big kind of threatening kind of thing, but that's just the filming. It doesn't mean you yeah. can't see the, the men. You don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, they're thinking, hmm, fish. <laughs> maybe. Hmm. And I don't know if maybe, like, I was wondering, maybe this fish is meant, maybe it is just meant to be symbolic. Maybe it's much more, because I think some parts of this film are much more focused on the, the symbolism rather than the kind of uh-huh. in-story literal thing. And maybe this is like, you know, money being wasted on weapons rather than food. Like they're using this fish to hurt people rather than just to feed people. Oh, but they should all have no, no. They should all have holsters with fish in. In that case, shouldn't they? And then just start <laughs> they like throw, slapping hit, people. Hit them with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is why they needed you as a script editor. <laughs> well, it sounds like from what you said that Harvey Weinstein was like, you know, really like pushing for them to all have fish in holsters because you said he wanted. <laughs> 
he had a lot of bad ideas. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of his least bad was everyone in this film should have fish in holsters. It's one of his least yeah. dangerous ideas. You know, yeah, he had his bad points, obviously. Yeah. But he <laughs> yeah, did have this great like idea about putting fish in holsters. <laughs> no, no, Howard... Take ownership of your idea. Harvey Weinstein did nothing good oh. because you had the great idea <laughs> about putting fish in holsters. <laughs> All right. So then they go through a tunnel and everyone gets murdered. Mm. Right? Because the balaclava men have night vision goggles, which they put on over their covered eyes. And I don't understand why their eyes are covered, right? I can, again, I can only assume this is a, another metaphor. Like, it's mm. like maybe this is the police, right? This yeah. is blindly upholding a cruel and violent system without thinking for themselves. I mean, you can see, like, a blind um, army or police force as a metaphor makes sense, but... Yeah. They're wearing night vision goggles over their balaclavas, which are over their eyes. And it really it's really difficult to watch the kind of the literal side of it and not go, This is really weird. What's that saying about <laughs> in the like um the land of the blind something is king? Is it is one eyed man is it a ma- massive fish? Okay, right, no, 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 no. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. In the land of the blind, a massive fish is king because they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They don't know. Yeah, they don't fish, know that do they, they? they voted, <laughs> voted this fish to be their king. Voted as king. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're blind. Well, I, I can't see it. I'm blind, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I just, I would just put me cross anywhere. I just hope for the best. <laughs> Apparently, we all accidentally voted for a massive fish. <laughs> To be king. To be king. Yeah, that old that old saying. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, now this is the thing. Like the whole like, if it is a metaphor for like um, blind enforcement of un unjust rules or whatever. Yeah, I feel like the night vision goggles really trip that metaphor up. Mm. <laughs> right? Because then it's about being able to see, and actually being able to see better than the revolutionaries. Yes. So. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird. The two things. It feels like they're kind of working against each other. Mm-hmm. So the next thing that happens is that one armed Spud mm-hmm. runs through the train to bring fire, so they can see. Mm-hmm. Right. So he gets one last moment of of to ham it up. Brilliant. Right? He legs it down the train, brings them fire, so that the revolutionaries can see, and now they can do murder as well. Hooray! So literally everyone gets murdered. And at the end of this scene, the last thing that happens in this scene is that Curtis, Curtis America, okay. lets his best friend Edgar die so that he has a chance to get the upper hand and to, like grab hold of Tilda Swinton, basically. Mm-hmm. And he that's his choice. Like I can grab hold of Tilda, who's just standing there, or I can stop that balaclava man from murdering that baby i didn't eat (laughs) and he chooses to let edgar die yeah i mean there's there's going to be loads of people there's loads of people to eat now you wouldn't need to carry on through the train would you (laughs) just put them in the in the fridge drawers and uh, keep yourself going for ages in the drawer Mm. um yeah so it's at this point that tilda swinton says wilford likes kids in the most disturbing way she can manage Mm -hmm. it's amazing she's like wilford likes kids and you go oh no where's this film going (laughs) knowing that he's like they came and got two kids earlier you Mm. you, i I think they do uh, probably they do it on purpose so that when you find out what he's actually doing with kids you're like oh thank goodness yeah (laughs) he's just using them as train parts that's nice what a relief (laughs) um but then she also surprises everyone by taking her teeth out for no reason. (laughs) The next carriage is the greenhouse and knitting carriage. Wow. (laughs) They go in, it's like, oh, it's a greenhouse, and there's someone knitting because... Greenhouse and knitting. So this is like shoe shop and key cutter, right, isn't it? I think they're just... People go, oh, greenhouses, (laughs) that's where... Old ladies do knitting. Hmm. I feel like that happened in Minority Report as well. <laughs> right. Is she knitting? I don't know. I watched it. I, like, I watched it like about a week ago. Did you really? Yeah. It's years since I saw it. Yeah. I feel like even if she's not knitting, she has a kind of knitting energy. Mm. <laughs> right. She looks like she's just finished if she isn't doing it in the movie. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, they go through the greenhouse carriage. Yes. And then they they get to shark carriage. Right. <laughs> Actually, I didn't see any sharks, but I feel like there better be some. It's the aquarium ah. where they eat sushi. Yeah. I hope they've got a lot of fish to keep reproducing 
So they can keep eating that sushi. Well, um, Tilda says that they only have sushi twice a year, and it's ah. just a coincidence that they've arrived on sushi day. Oh, right, shit. <laughs> yeah, what a fucking waste that. of a carriage. <laughs> and then they go to meat carriage. Right. <laughs> Hooray, just some meat hanging, hanging in a carriage. Do they have... Are they breeding cows in there? They don't have any cows. I think the thing is, they only actually go through something like 16 carriages. So you've got to assume we're not seeing every carriage. Mm-hmm. In the TV show, it, they keeps they say at the beginning of every episode that it's 1,001 carriages Wow. Long, which is an insane number. Like, if, that is just... That is unimaginable yeah. in terms of distance. But in the TV show, they do have a carriage with, with um, cattle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I feel like, like you said, this is a microcosm. They've really kind of mm. pared it down to some very bare essentials, which is why you never see anyone yeah, sleeping. Yeah, what, what are the, the most, the most essential things? Okay, uh, we need someone knitting. <laughs> Meat just, and sushi. We better have a drawer full of Koreans. That's uh, <laughs> really get those essentials. Yeah, just just getting it down to the bare bones <laughs> of the matter. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe something in a room where a load of people have got, like, uh, wearing the balaclava is the wrong way around and are killing a fish. <laughs> How about that? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you did say essential, so mm, yes. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Beds? No. Uh, no, no beds. No. <laughs> so then we get to um, the midpoint. I think of the movie, which is the school carriage, Ooh. which I think is a is a bit of a memorable bit, isn't it? Because again, like Alison Pills playing the school teacher, ah. and she puts in a pretty good performance as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. So the next thing that happens is they show the video about Wilford. Right. They all watch a video because the kids are watching a video, and so we all get to see a bit of backstory. And the video has Wilford as a kid saying. When I grow up, I'm going to live on a train forever. (laughs) When fortunately someone was filming him when he said that and he kept it on his train. So that's lucky as well. Wow. But I think the the downside of that is, you know, living on a train forever isn't really an option, even if you're rich. (laughs) That's not really a thing you can do. So my suspicion is that he had to destroy the world with CW7 because like, he had this train ready to go before the world ended. Mm. Why did he make a a train that's self-sufficient that can go all the way around the world just for fun and Mm. then the world ends like a couple of days after... That seems very suspicious. Like, he did that on purpose so he could live on a train forever. Well, he did say as a child he wanted to live on a train forever. That's part of my evidence, yeah. (laughs) All right, so they're in the school and a man wheels in a load of eggs. Right. (laughs) It's egg day. Not only is it sushi day, it's also egg day. Well, so they're in the school and... Yeah, they spend ages in the school. Right, Okay. So this guy wheels in a load of eggs and he gives a basket of eggs to the teacher and it... Turns out it's got yes, a gun. Yes, of course. In. That's how she gets her gun. And then he takes his eggs off, and he's got a gun as well. Uh, so she shoots um, Captain America and the people in the school carriage, and he goes off and shoots the people behind them, and lots of people get shot. Brilliant. Also, this is when we first, I think, or the first time we really notice that there's a boring bad guy in this movie who never really says anything. He's just there oh, shooting. Oh yeah. Um, at this point, he shoots John Hurt. Oh. And of course, that means that John Hurt regenerates into Christopher <laughs> Eccleston. <laughs> Which is a nice surprise. (laughs) But we don't see that, so that's a bit of a shame. Hmm. But then, but worse than that, because John Hurt's barely been in it, so we don't really care about him, but Curtis America shoots Tilda Swinton. Wow. Yeah, in the head. And she's all like, oh, don't shoot me. I don't want you to shoot me. And he's like, boom, shoots her. She's dead. She's That's the end of her part Uh, in the film. So you can switch off now. I was really annoyed. You can switch off now, (laughs) folks. And then it's the most exciting part of the film. They are, Again, they don't make it clear, but I feel like this is when they arrive in first class because the look of the train changes to the Orient Express. Suddenly they're on the Orient mm. Express and they're going past, like, um, chain... Like, I don't know what, like... What do you call it in a train that's got, like, rooms? What are they called? Compartments. Sure. Yeah, that, uh, OK, so they're, they're walking along next to compartments and they see... Firstly, they see the book reading compartment. It's mm-hmm. like a load of books and a person reading. Then they see the dentist mm-hmm. compartment. Someone's in a dentist chair, but it's not Tilda Swinton. <laughs> uh, then they go pa- They go through a bar from the 1920s where everyone's dressed in their flapper <laughs> gear, which is, again, like, OK, mm. fair enough. And then the best part of the film... 
hairdressing time. Hey. Yeah, hairdressing carriage where people, a lot of people, like a surprisingly large number of people who obviously get their hair cut very yeah. regularly. In my memory. There's like six people getting their hair cut. In my memory, they're all haircut. getting it permed, right? All right, so then we go to carriage 13, which is the sauna. Carriage where everyone's having nice. a sauna and boring bad guy murders everyone as they all try to save Curtis America for some reason. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why, but he basically works his way through all the remaining characters except Curtis America and the two Koreans and murders them all, including Octavia Spencer. Um, and she, I think, is the last one of the secondary characters. Well, I mean, they're trying to save Captain America because he's Captain America, right? Presumably. If, if they don't save Captain America, who's going to eat the babies? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have a, we'll have a too many babies it is, problem. It's about the ecosystem. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, it is. Women actually. keep making uh, babies. You're on, Women keep making them. <laughs> you're on Ed Harris's side. <laughs> That's his <Yeah>. argument. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so after that, they go into carriage number 14, which is Disco Carriage, yeah. where the, if you're a first-class passenger, you've got a choice of book reading, hairdressing or disco. <laughs> That's all you have. Yeah, so they go in the disco, and uh, Namgung and Yona walk around stealing all the drugs. <laughs> it's a really right, good yeah. moment where they just base... All these, all these rich people are fucked, and so they just walk around picking up all yes, the drugs. Good. Right, because they have their priorities mm. straight. Captain America's all all like, "I want to eat a baby," and they're like, "Yeah, all right, fine. You you carry on with your weird priorities. We're gonna go and get all the drugs, okay?" Mm. And finally, one a bit that I didn't even remember yeah. when I was watching, I was like, "I don't remember this happening." Was the men in cages carriage? No, right. The last thing they go through before they get to like Wilford's door is a load of men sitting in cages, but they've got computers. So I assume. They're like computer operators right. in, in cages. cages, which are, like maybe that's a good thing. A lot of our listeners work in computers, and I think probably they should be in cages. <laughs> I'm just wondering about like, which carriage. So that's the carriage that he's decided to keep closest to his to his his his, his yeah. carriage. That's right outside his, his door. His he's man, just on the other cages. side of the door. <laughs> yeah. He wants quick and easy access to his man, man cages. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. All right, so this is... Now we get to the climax of the movie. We're outside Wilford's carriage, all right? But the door's locked. Good. Oh, if only we had a door expert. <laughs> but before he even asks a door... like Basically, Curtis America just loses his shit and starts attacking the door. <laughs> he starts punching it. He's like, fucking doors! Right? So, and Nam Goong, the door yeah. expert... His reaction to this is to beat the shit out of Captain America. Oh, really? <laughs> he just like started beating him up, yeah. Right. Weird. And then when they finished kind of just going mad a bit, Namgun gives Curtis the last cigarette in existence. This has been set up at the beginning when he smokes the pet. He's got two cigarettes and he smokes one. Oh, Namgung right. Does, right. And then at the end, after he beats Captain America up, he gives him the last cigarette ever. And he's like, here you go. This is the last cigarette in, in existence. And then Curtis America fucking wastes that really? cigarette. Right, he lights yeah. it and then starts talking about eating babies, and he barely, <laughs> he barely smokes it at all. And I haven't smoked in like, what, like fucking years, but I was so annoyed. Like that's the last cigarette in existence. Stop wasting it. You give it if you're going to do all the talking, give it mm, back. Mm, mm, mm. All right, and let him smoke it. That is the last fucking cigarette that exists. That's true. I mean, if I was him. Um, I wouldn't be listening to the story. I'd be too busy watching the cigarette not get smoked. No, you'd you'd take yeah. it back, right? You'd be you wouldn't pay attention. You you would you'd miss the whole bit where Curtis is like, oh yeah, I eat yeah. babies, <laughs> right? Because you'd be too busy focused on the the cigarette. And they even show like the ash. We, you, you watch the ash get longer and longer, and he doesn't put it near his mouth because he's too fucking busy complaining about that time he ate a baby. <laughs> but I thought he didn't eat the baby, though, is it? <laughs> No, oh, no, he says he, 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 he murdered he didn't them on my John, John Hurt's hand. So he did eat a no, baby. He definitely had babies because that's what he says. He's like, do you know what I hate most about mm. myself, right? Is that I know what human flesh tastes like and yeah. I know that babies taste best. Ah. So he didn't eat Edgar, but he had other. Edgar was just the last in a long line of babies he was going to eat. Right. Right, and okay, he spared that one, but he had a lot of other babies. But the thing is, like his story is, is is a load of pony, then, isn't it? Because he's saying that like he knows that babies taste best, but clearly they don't. What tastes best is John Hurt's hand, because he was eating babies, and then John Hurt was like, "Why don't you try my hand?" And he did, and he was like, "Yeah, this is much yeah. better. I'm going to eat John no, Hurt hands right. from from now on." <laughs> but he only had two, and he was saving mm. the second one, and now he's got killed, and he's never going to eat that. That's why yeah. he's so upset. That's why he's punching. Because he that is, door. he's really feeling yeah, sorry yeah. for himself. He's 
really? Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, poor me. I'm such yeah. a bad man. I, f- I know, I know what human flesh tastes like, and I know that babies are strawberry <laughs> <Yeah>. flavors. <laughs> but, but John Hurt's hand is like alcohol yeah, yeah, flavors. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever's better than strawberry. Yeah, and it was just coming around for the uh, like. It would be ten years since I ate his last hand, and he said, in ten years, gonna have the other one. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why? He says, punching that door. Yeah, but he feels really bad about how he ate John Hurt's arm and he ate Edgar's mm. mum and <laughs> and how like he was going to eat Edgar, but he didn't. But then Edgar got shot anyway, so now he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. Very good. <laughs> but he, no, Captain America feels really bad about everyone he knows being dead because <laughs> he's too fucking useless to get it right. And at some he of them. should have just he should have just at Edgar, shouldn't he? I mean, yeah, he went to waste. Edgar doesn't Edgar doesn't do anything, does he? he no, he's just you know. Edgar. He's not Edgar because <laughs> he didn't get it. <laughs> All right, so now we're at the final, the final part of the movie, the final carriage, carriage number eighteen, the engine. Mm-hmm. All right, now this is our second appearance of Yellow Coat Woman. Oh, because she appears out of the out of the engine carriage and shoots Namgoon. Oh, you wouldn't expect uh, um, uh, uh, Ruth Maddock to do that, would you? <laughs> <laughs> so out of character. It is surprising. She didn't show signs of that when she was leading uh, Nubbly Knees contest. Did she? Did she stuff. Yeah. Did she yell Heidi die when she did it? <laughs> Yeah. I feel like this callback and that terrible pun has persuaded me to put your to leave your first mention of Heidi High in because when you said it, I was definitely thinking this isn't making it, but now it now it probably will because I, I feel like this callback has made it worth it. Oh dear, I'm sorry. <laughs> you worked at it. You got what you wanted. <laughs> All right, so Yellow Coat Woman um, shoots Namgoon and then takes Curtis Curtis America. To see Ed Harris, who is running the Truman Show. Yeah, he is, isn't he? In his weird, like, um, moon room. <laughs> it's very reminiscent, mm. right? And Ed Harris immediately starts lying to Curtis in a really obvious way. Because the fir- one, one thing he says is, mm-hmm. um, you are the first human being to have walked the total length of the train, tail to engine, right? There's three people in the engine at that point. There's Ed Harris... Curtis, who we've just watched do that, and Yellow Coat Woman, who at the beginning was in the in the tail, and right now, how did she get there? She can she teleport? He just didn't mention that. And not only that, but later, mm. like this is as he says yeah. it, as he says it, the proof that he's wrong is standing next to him. But later we find those two <laughs> kids they got from the back of the train are in the engine as well. Wow. One of them's in the wall, one of them's in the floor, right? So there's there's like there's five people in that carriage, and four of them have walked yeah. the length of the train, and and we just don't no, know no, about no. it. Maybe, maybe, maybe the others ran, <laughs> or hopped, or skipped, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always make uh, yellow coat woman hop, <laughs> hop all the way, <laughs> just so I can say this but line you, to you. <laughs> but you walked, Captain America. I know you did because uh, I've been watching the movie. Yeah, and, uh, you know. yeah. No, okay. I'll, I'm going to go with that because it, otherwise it's a really stupid line that is mm. like. You can't say that while someone else is standing there who did it. Like, it's right there. You'll get away with the kids, maybe. We haven't revealed that yet, but she's right there. Mm. All right, now it's time for the big ending reveal, the big surprise at the <clears> end, <throat> because wow. um, Wilford, it turns out, is good friends with Doctor Who. <laughs> yes. He's right? Right, like, yeah. hey, you think you were friends with Doctor Who, but actually it was me. <laughs> and when I, oh, Just I in case people aren't keeping up with the references, I mean John Hurt. Because <laughs> right? John Hurt played yeah, Doctor yeah. Who once. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and John Hurt chose to live in absolute squalor and cut his own arm off because... Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it's really unclear. <laughs> Yeah. Um and but they both they basically they organized it together. They They've got like a telephone system got a, yeah, they, where they, can, they just they, call each other up. Yeah, Wilford says he they they chat every night. So they're really good friends, right? Yeah. right? And mm. um basically they they organized this whole uprising together. W- Wilford and um John Hurt so that Curtis could yeah. make his way to the front of the train and take over mm. from Ed Harris because Ed Harris says he's getting old, right? And we too old. Curtis is perfect for the job of being Ed Harris, because... 
Nope, I have no idea about that either. <laughs> none of his none of his demonstrated characteristics. He's basically the opposite of what you need. He has nothing, none of the things you need to run that train, unless the main thing you need to run that train is knowing what babies taste like. Right? <laughs> if that is qualification number one, then yeah, he's perfect. But anything else, no, he's... No, he's terrible for the well, job. Well, they do, they do. The, the thing that they have in common is is, that, is both of them think that children aren't supposed <laughs> to grow up into adults. Yeah. Because, yes, that's the next reveal. We're about to learn that Wilford has been replacing train parts with kids. Mm. Which is um, a really, another really... <laughs> in the story reality, totally believable moment. Like when you're in a car with your with your kid and some part of it, like the gearbox goes, you're like, right, <laughs> pull it out, get a kid in there. Like a tyre blows, and you're like, get a kid to hold yeah. the, the axle up and yeah. run like it's the fucking Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, wrap him around it. <laughs> yeah. Then they find the kid in the floor, Octavia Spencer's kid in the floor, and Curtis loses his arm symbolically. So he doesn't really lose it. <laughs> no, it well, no, Chris Evans still has two arms. OK. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's the magic of cinema right there. But that makes up for all that baby eating. Mm. <laughs> right? He should lose some babies as well, shouldn't he? Because like, that <laughs> makes up for him eating John Hurt's hand, but it doesn't make up for all the babies, yeah. is it? It doesn't make so up he for should lose, anything. He should lose his bollocks as well. That's what should happen. He should symbolically lose his nuts. Well, I mean, he is about to lose his life, so in a sense he does mm. lose everything. But I'm not mm. sure any of it makes up for anything he's done. <laughs> he's the worst. Mm. Yeah, the worst thing he did was like make all those fucking Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could forgive him the baby eating, but I'll never Not Captain America. I'll never Fuck forgive sake. Captain America. Alright, so then the train derails and everyone dies horribly. <laughs> That's literally what happens next. Except for Yona and the kid from under the floor, because they are protected by magic hug powers when two men wow. run at them from opposite sides and hug them into safety. Really? So if you're ever in a train crash, just make sure you're sandwiched between Chris Evans and Song Kang-ho mm. and you will be fine because they have magic hug powers. That's who hugs them. Yeah, basically... Not not just random men. No, no, they're, they're, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's a lovely moment when the two... Hero men save the kid and the woman. You know, it's nice. a it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle disaster, and so it's women and children first. That's what's being yes. that's what's being symbolised here. She's gonna have to fuck that kid now, though, isn't she? In order to <laughs> yeah. kind of like keep the human race going. Well, she's gonna have to do it quick because they're literally gonna die in a matter of hours. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah. They've got no your chance. Arm out the train yeah. it turns to ice and falls off so once they get out of the train yeah. presumably that's what happens well, next isn't it they get out and they turn to you ice you think so but fortunately they, they've found some furry coats and furry boots from somewhere from a fucking genie because they ah. definitely didn't have them before also kid sized kid sized fur coat that's lucky yeah, <laughs> that appeared. So that must be a genie, and they get out and go and look at a polar bear, mm -hmm. which also means they've managed to spot one more polar bear than Marcus Peabody ever managed. <laughs> right? Yeah, well done. How did they find it? Yeah, they're the. I think they're the real it? unfortunates in this movie because everyone else died reasonably quick. Okay, screaming and scared, but it was pretty quick. These mm. two are going to freeze to death. It's probably going to take an hour or two. You know, it, it seems like in daytime things are just a bit warmer or something. Yeah. Uh, but on the bright side, at least the metaphor of this movie, final metaphor, seems to be that the only solution is to destroy the whole system rather than try to improve mm. it by making tiny changes or solving your fucked up situation by electing Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, you know, it may not be perfect. The ending may have many problems, but at least it didn't end with Joe Biden taking control of the train and everyone going, everything's going to be fine now. Joe Biden's taken over from Ed Harris. It's all going to be OK. Yeah, but that's, but that's nothing like... Um, that's, a, that's a bad metaphor because in this instance, Ed Harris is going like, oh, I want someone to take over. But like Ed Harris <laughs> as Donald Trump is like very much not leaving that train. But no, he, he does and, say he wants people to take over when he's you know, dead. Don't assume that Joe Biden's ever going to be president. What, are you crazy? <laughs> But he does, like, Ed Harris wants someone he chooses to take over when he dies. So mm. maybe it is a good metaphor. Mm. You know? And if, if, if he said, like, I want Curtis, who I think of as my son, to take over when I'm dead, and the train went, no, we've elected Joe Biden. 
<laughs> we think he's going to do a, lo- a much better job, and you're all like, mm, maybe marginally better, but it's still going to be pretty. F- he's basically going to keep the train as it is. Oh, yeah, the poor people in the back eating babies, right? <laughs> yeah. Rich people up the front having a disco. That We think that's fine. Mm. We just didn't like it when Ed Harris was in charge because he said embarrassing things as well <laughs> on train Twitter. What do you say we do a kind of positive and negative thing? Try and think of one thing each of us particularly liked and one thing maybe that really didn't work for us, right? So here's my good thing. Mm -hmm. There was no romantic subplot. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because every fucking movie, no matter how completely inappropriate it is, always has to have a romantic subplot, and it's really boring and annoying, and I hate it. <laughs> right? I mean, if a movie is is a romance, you know, fair enough. But if it's about a train in the future with a with a like a social uprising, I think it's good that they didn't go. Oh, we must have a we, like they would have forced a young female character in and had to have. There is a young female character in it. He could have had an affair with um, the uh, daughter of the door expert, right? Right, yes, yes, I suppose there was a... Yeah, you're right. No, that, that would have been it, wouldn't it? That that would have been her role rather than being... I'm this... sure they've... I'm sure... Yeah, you're right, that is terrible. And I'm sure they've rectified that problem in the TV series and it's probably got, like, um, it's probably got a romance and a police, police procedural aspect to it. I think that the TV series was... Yeah, I think... I can't remember... It was so there was so much going on in the TV series. It was interesting. I don't think it was terrible. It wasn't amazing, but it, the police procedural was only at the beginning. It was only the first couple of episodes, and then they. I thought, like, because I think what happened with that was you joked about that, right? When 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 they said there was when we heard there was mm-hmm. a Snowpiercer TV show, you said I bet they just make it into a police procedural, and I don't think you were mm-hmm. that serious because that's a stupid idea, <laughs> right? But you were making a comment on how everything's a fucking police procedural on TV, mm. and then they did. I watched the first episode, I was like, you're fucking right. <laughs> I'd forgotten you said that until I saw it, and then I was like, this seems hauntingly familiar. Wow. But it did turn out that was. That was just the beginning, so it wasn't as bad as it may have seemed at first. How many episodes is the TV series? I don't know, maybe ten, eight or ten. It wasn't hugely long. What I like about the movie is that it's not eight or <laughs> ten episodes long. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> hmm. So that's uh, that. So my high point is no romantic subplot. Can you think of a, something you liked about Snowpiercer? I really liked the train. <laughs> that's lucky. I really liked the bingo carriage. That's what I um, really liked. I loved that. I'm going to stop off and have a game of bingo. It's great. <laughs> I just think that, like, um, you know, even it doesn't have to be bingo, maybe a roulette wheel or something, but I, I feel like um, you can't have a train like that without having a casino on it. Yeah. What is the fun? It should have a casino. It's got a bookshop. It should yeah. have a casino. It's got, it's got a swimming pool. But, you know, putting a disco in... Well, the, there was a disco like, in the no. Mystery of the Golden Bus in the... I'm just I'm I'm seeing how it stands up to the mystery of the Golden Bus uh, service station hotel, right? So mm. swimming pool, yes. Uh, bookshop, oh God, yes. Do you think I was writing a, a like a kind of metaphorical uh, microcosm, microcosm when I did my service yeah, station? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, vending machines. I didn't see any vending machines in Snowpiercer. Uh, although they have got those drawers where you can like, put your money and get a Korean get, out. Get Koreans out. <laughs> <laughs> and they do break into those drawers. They don't pay. Never see them put money in for those Koreans. Yes. So that's similar. Uh, but yeah, no casino. I mean, Rafe Dix does win a lot of buses and then glue them together to make a really, really long <laughs> you bus. You wrote Snowpiercer right? years before that movie. <laughs> All the comic books came out. All right, Howard. Now we know the best sequel mm-hmm. for any film is setting it on a train after the world ends. Yes. Right? But the only film you can't do that for is Snowpiercer. I know. Right? Because that was the first part. That's correct. So have you got any great ideas for a sequel to Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer 2? Yes. Well, I've gone with the uh the piercer part, keeping the piercer part, <laughs> and then like just yeah. Replacing the first part, and I was thinking in terms of like movies like Die Hard and um, okay. Under Siege or whatever. You just change the form of transport. <laughs> so I've got Water Piercer, right? Which is like set on a sub- submarine. I'm thinking, but a really long submarine, right? 
It's got to be super long because like because a Marvel hero has to walk through it. Like Doctor Strange has to walk yeah. from the back to the front. Actually, no, Doctor Strange is Benedict okay, Cumberbatch, no. so maybe he better walk from the front to the back and start eating babies. I remember the idea now. No, it's like it's like a really big ocean liner, and all the poor people are in the bottom carriages, and then all the rich people are at the top. <laughs> and then like okay. and then it hits this iceberg. <laughs> right. Okay. Air piercer. <laughs> really long plane. It's like a really long long plane. <laughs> So if you if there's a distinct difference between like economy flights, um, first class, and then business, which is super good, and then and then you just have all the poor people have got in with the luggage. Yeah, it, maybe it's even dogs because dogs have got to go in the hold. So air piercer is about a load of dogs, dog eating, ba- a load of dog eating babies, <laughs> dog um, eating babies. Yeah, a load yeah. of dog eating babies. Hang on, this is a whole new movie. Yeah, the the babies strike back. The yes. ones that Curtis didn't manage to eat. Uh, go, right, we've eaten the dogs. Now let's start eating Marvel heroes. <laughs> Who's left? Get Spider Man. He's quite small. Yeah. Um, space piercer. I don't know what that is. But the best one is Earth piercer, right. and that's about a big drill. Is when when Captain America gets to the front of that one, does it turn out to be the cyber loan? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right? Gold Cyberman, like I'm driving me drill, but you could take over when I'm dead. Yeah. Well, but you didn't know that, so I'm actually friends with Doctor Who <laughs> in the back carriage. John Hurt. That's a bigger surprise, right? A, a gold <laughs> yeah. Cyberman's actually friends with Doctor Who. Yeah, and he decided not to drive the drill with me, and he's <laughs> gone to gone to the back of his handcuff yeah. and, uh, and put it in a jar. And uh, Captain Jack wants it. <laughs> What's he want it for? <laughs> oh, yeah. Billy Piper wants to marry it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's she does. End, that's what she does. That's the end of that story. That's the plot of oh, Doctor Who. Oh, Billy Piper oh, marries that Billy hand. Billy Piper, do you want to marry my hand? <laughs> <laughs> that is actually what happens. <laughs> well, the cyber laws, <laughs> unfortunately. No. Mm. But apart from that, everything else in that was true. Well, I think that's the sequel then, right? So the sequel, <laughs> the sequel to Snowpiercer is is, um, is Drill Piercer. <laughs> right, I, mm-hmm. I know, I know, Earth Piercer makes more sense, but you've got to get the crowd in by yeah. mentioning drills. Yes, in yeah, the title. You're right. So Drill Piercer is a really, really mm. long drill. And uh, mm. which Marvel hero do you want to be in the back in this one? Because Captain America's dead. Uh, has any of them been in Doctor Who? Probably. Has Benedict Cumberbatch? He's been in Sherlock. That's basically the same show, right? Yeah, all right. So, yeah, so um, Captain Magic. Captain Magic. Is that what he's called? <laughs> Cap- Doctor, called? Captain Magic. Ma- I mean, it's Doctor Strange, but let's call him <laughs> Captain Magic. <laughs> yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch rep- reprising his role as Captain, Captain Magic, Magic from yeah. the Marvel movies. <laughs> mm. He's at the back eating some babies. Yeah, pretending to be poor. Yeah. No one believes him. But because it's Doctor Who, Doctor Who just keeps like... Like, um, like regenerating babies, and then like <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch just keeps eating them. Okay, like he shoots his regeneration power never at, at babies, and it's and basically it's fucking brilliant at the back <laughs> carriage because you can just eat as many babies as you like, and they never run out. That's my idea. Of, Doctor that's Uther my idea of heaven. Shooting them with power, <laughs> eating as many, <laughs> eating as many babies as you want. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this very special episode of the worst writer in the world. At some point in the future, we'll probably do another one like this, but not for a while. We'll be back next week with probably a more traditional type of episode. We're going to discuss a true crime, I think. If you'd like more entertaining stuff by us, then go to patreon.com forward slash manbycow and see what you could get for as little as $2 a month. Including the sequel to Lee Brumby's Joe. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye, milk. Go buy some milk. <laughs>